0: It's another edition of the Deep Slate Podcast. I'm your host, D.P. Sidhu, and joining me today for the first time this offseason, former Texan starting left guard and pro bowler, Wade Smith. How are you doing today, Wade? I'm
1: good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing fantastic. I've not had you on the show this offseason. We've had J.J. Moses. Last week we had Drew Doherty and John Harris. And uh, so this is the first time getting you in here. And I'm, I'm super excited because I feel like the O-line is just a huge topic this offseason. So I definitely want to get your thoughts on o-linemen why it's so hard to find a good o lineman these days i want to get your thoughts on that okay. the texans free agency additions what the 2018 o-line could look like and a couple of rule changes that went down at the annual league meetings i want to get your thoughts on that what you think about those and how they're going to change the game that's all coming up today on the deep slant podcast don't forget to subscribe to deep slant on itunes TuneIn, or stitcher and please leave a review if you can all right wade first of all What's what's the off season like for you these days? What have you been up to?
1: I'm super busy. Like since since I retired, I you know really head first into what my foundation is, has going on. And so, you know whether it's me visiting elementary schools or you know doing book tours with my children's books or um, preparing for fundraisers and things of that nature, I'm always busy. And plus, I have four daughters, and two of them are you know good athletes, and so we're traveling for volleyball tournaments and. Um, I'm all over the place, but I, I'm busy and I'm, I'm happy. I'm enjoying life, so I'm just I glad to come here to, and, and talk to you today.
0: Yeah, the children's books. I know you uh, had one. You you released one the last few years. Do you have anything coming out in the yeah. pipeline?
1: so I'm, I've halfway. little
0: Smitty doing anything new these yeah, days? Yes, so I'm
1: halfway through the third book. It it got delayed. It, it should have been out by now, but with yeah. Harvey, everything got pushed back with the Harvey. Um, every timeline, that, anything that I had going on just kind of got pushed back. Um, because everything, all the intention got put on that and everything, the focus, which was, you know, warranted that, you know, we needed to help as many people as possible with Harvey. And so um, that's kind of the, the the direction that we went with the foundation. And so, um, yeah, I'm halfway through right, writing the third Smitty book, um, and, and hopefully we can have that out by the end of this year.
0: That's exciting. My kids love the Smitty books, by the way. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, they love it. And I think as Smitty gets older, it would be nice to see him grow up because then they can keep reading them. You don't have to be necessarily a kid to enjoy the Smitty the Smitty edition of his books. Right. Good that, that,
1: that is the point of, of that is the kind of the thought process behind it is we're going to see um, Smitty come of age and his growing pains going through, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, all the way up. And uh, hopefully I, I, I can keep churning out some good material that the kids will enjoy reading.
0: Well, that's exciting stuff. I know you're keeping busy. You look like you're still working out and stuff. What's what's the routine like for an offensive lineman once he's out of the league?
1: Um, try not to eat after nine o'clock.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh that, so that, same struggle as everybody else <laughs> Yes, yeah, so, you know,
1: definitely, you know, you gotta have that, that Gremlin diet. Like you can't feed The feed Gremlin yourself. diet? Yeah, you, oh okay. You can't eat after twelve o'clock. Okay. Um I guess it would be the Mogwai diet and not the Gremlin diet. Have you seen that movie before no I haven't. haven't? Is that nine PM? No um, the, yeah
0: the, the, I've seen the Gremlins but yeah. I was like a kid. Say that again. I was a kid when the Grand lemons came out. We were both kids when Lemons <laughs> no, came I act out. Like so, <laughs> act like I'm so much younger than Wade. Yeah, like we, were just, we were about the You're same age. You're like I was good you know? too. I yeah. just have a worse memory than you. That's why I don't remember. Okay, but after nine o'clock, no. Well, no.
1: in the movie, I think it's after twelve o'clock. But we you, you just move it up three hours for 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 offensive linemen because we can't you know you can't be eating that late at night. It's bad for you. You know the, those those fat cells are used to collecting. And holding on to things. That's so, true.
0: What about exercise? How much more exercise do you do? Because you're not playing anymore. So you're not getting, like in training camp, you're not out here right. sweating for hours and hours at a time. Right.
1: You train a little differently. Um, I think I, I try to work out at least three, four times a week if I can, if I'm not, you know, if I don't have too much stuff going on. Um, is it but, weights? Is it cardio? What oh, do you yeah, do? I always have to lift weights. I always have to do some type of cardio or do something because I've, I feel like, ugh. If I don't work out I feel like man, <laughs> you know, get yourself together, you gotta do something with your life and so um yeah, I try to stay, you know, working out and doing something to where I feel, you know, feel good. You know, I got I got I got athletic kids and my wife is a former athlete, and so you just can't be the slouch of the house. No, you can't. Yeah. you got to
0: keep up with kids with an active lifestyle like yeah, you that. Yeah, can't,
1: you can't set an example. You know, you guys need to go out and make sure you're eating right. <laughs> and, and and I'm going eat this popcorn the while you guys out go outside. Yeah.
0: Your class of O-linemen, you all seem to be in really good shape. Chris Myers, I see, you know, he used to do shows with us before he moved um, out to Philly, but he had slimmed down considerably. Like yeah. A, it's almost like the day he finished playing, his body just went, whoo. Right back to like maybe what it wanted to be all along, yeah,
1: we had this we've always had this kind of a competitive thing between Chris and I when I, when I, I remember you this, you know, yeah. and so once I retired, I retired a little bit before he did, and he saw I was losing all this weight and he was like i'm gonna, I'm gonna catch you and, and pass you I'm gonna beat you, and so I think he got down to maybe like two forty or something like that. I think the lowest I got down to was uh, two forty five and then I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, five more you, pounds. It was so close. It wasn't even that. It's just like <laughs> if I get too much smaller, you know, my my girls are getting older. They're going to have these boys trying to come to the house. And and, and, tell, and I, I got to still have my intimidating, <laughs> You gotta have some muscle you on know, you. Figure. Right? Yeah, I can't just be a skinny guy. And then, you know, they're going to try to take advantage of that. You're so. not
0: a, you're not skinny. You're still a pretty big person walking around. You still look like you're an O-lineman that could probably you could just put in a little bit of weight and you could probably play. Do you yeah. feel like that sometimes now that you've been removed from the league for a number of years?
1: Well, I mean, mentally I feel like I can still play, but the way my knees are set up. <laughs> the <laughs> knees are saying no. The, the head saying is like, saying yes. Yeah, like my knees are basically saying, like, you could play one game, and you could play really well for one game, and then after that it would be a wrap. You could just you just have to hang it up.
0: What if you changed positions? What if you were, like, um, tight I'm, end? If I or? play tight
1: end, I mean. No. You did a little my, bit of that now? I did. I mean, I did play some tight end in my career. I was a tight end in college, um, but – like I said, the way my knees are set up, tight ends have to do a bunch of cutting. That is cuts, true. You know, playing and cutting, and you know they're just as involved in 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 run and blocking as offensive linemen are. Not quite to that extent, but they still have to do a significant amount of it. And so, um, when you're trying to move grown men where they don't want to go, um, it, it takes it takes a, a stress on you, a toll on your body, and so. Yeah, the way one needs to set up, that's like, nah.
0: Moving grown <laughs> men uh, where they don't want to go, that's a good way of describing an O-lineman's job. I was reading this interesting piece uh, because, you know, we've been talking about O-linemen a lot this offseason. Right. Texans O-line is going to look completely different. Uh, the annual league meetings are going on right now in Orlando, and Bill O'Brien said that there will be at least four new starters, at least four new starters on the O-line, which is – it's it's jarring to hear that, but not surprising considering how many guys have left in free agency. The latest Xavier Sufilo just gets signed by Tennessee right. uh, this week, so we saw that go down. But then they pick up free agent offensive lineman. We were watching the the free agent market for lineman. Now that you're out of the league, are you just like chomping at the bit? Like, look how much money these guys are pulling in, because it's it's a high value position.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think that um, it's good to see because. You know, the guys that played the game before I did probably looked at the contracts that we got and were like, wow, these guys are getting paid crazy numbers. And then now it just it keeps going up and up. It just shows that, you know, the league is still um, extremely profitable. The salary cap is going up and players are getting um, paid for their services. And, you know, you always it's always good to see because a lot of times these guys that are getting paid, they're able to go back into their communities and – First of all, they're helping their families to be able to have a lifestyle that they otherwise probably wouldn't have, and then they can go back into the communities and help so many people that otherwise wouldn't be helped. And so every time I see a guy get paid, I'm, I'm excited for him.
0: Yeah, we saw Nate Solder. He became the highest-paid tackle. Uh, Andrew um, Norwell became Norwell, the high- yeah. highest-paid guard for the Jaguars. It seemed like everybody, that, uh, the, all these high – these high-priced free agents, they were breaking records this year. And I was reading this interesting story on SB Nation it was a reti- by retired O-lineman Jeff Schwartz. He wrote this piece mm-hmm. um, on O-lineman getting rich in the NFL. His theory was that since the college offense is not really like a pro offense, the techniques that they teach in college don't translate to the NFL. So pe- teams want to hire guys that can step in and play right now. That's why there's such a high price on alignment makes sense but then he also mentioned that there's a few schools that do produce pro ready offensive linemen Ohio State Wisconsin Notre Dame USC Iowa Alabama he said maybe a few more I'm guessing Memphis is what do you think Memphis is I would guess not on that list no I don't I I mean we've we've had our (laughs) our
1: fair share of offensive linemen that's that's been in the NFL but I wouldn't put us in that category I would say no
0: well Nick Martin came from Notre Dame obviously his brother Zach Martin came from Notre Dame there's a couple of guys Big-name guys from Notre Dame coming out this year. Uh, you know, so it's interesting because when we saw Nick Martin come in, he seemed like he could have played his rookie year if, if not for that injury that he had. Right. Camp.
1: I think the thing about it is a lot of those teams you named are Big Ten schools or in that area, and they play the same style of ball. And so, Well,
0: minus Alabama, but, yeah, right. I, see, I get what you're saying. Well,
1: you know, you got the Ohio States of the world, um, the Wisconsin's of the world. They, they consistently put out really good offensive linemen. Um, that are ready to play because they play in pro-style schemes um, day in and day out. And so you have other conferences that maybe don't play that type of game. They're more of the spread offenses. You have the Big 12s and the Pac-10s and – or it's Pac-12 now, excuse me. Right. But Like the Pac-12 and, um, you know, the the various kind of mid-major conferences where the offensive linemen are are not – required to do a lot of the things that you are required to do at the professional level and so you're seeing more guys come in the league that are, are more raw and that can be a good thing and that could be a bad thing you know if you feel like you have a good coaching staff you can take a guy that's raw and hasn't learned any negative or bad traits and you can mold them into what you it's want like a to clean be. slate you can right, start with right. right you're just molding them into you know this perfect sculpture of what you want them to be um, that can be a really good thing and so um, it, it's it's you, you have to trust in the, kind of the system that you have and the type of guys that you want to have um, in your building. I think that you can figure out a guy's temperament, which is extremely important um, in the offensive line room, um, You know the type of person he is, the type of guy he is, how hard he's willing to work, this toughness and things of that nature. Um, and then you can teach the technical things and get them to the level to where they're going to be able to play.
0: I felt like that is something they do look at. They look at the smartness of a player to see how it's going to translate. But then at the end of the day, like in this article, he also mentioned that one of the big factors is that there're no more two-a-days. And you have less reps at full speed action in full pads. And really that's where you that's where the growth occurs. So, but when you were when you were in the league like towards the end of your career, obviously, you were you were there before two-a-days, when yeah. two-a-days were in place and when two-a-days we're gone after the CBA. Right. So did you feel like for the younger players that made a significant difference in how they made that transition?
1: Um, I think, I think it's, uh, it made a, it made a difference. I think that when I first came in the league, we were doing two a day, sometimes three a day practices where you'd have two practices and a walk through. And it was like full pads in the morning, half pads in the afternoon. And then maybe a little walk through. Um, So that was a completely different mindset and, you know temperament and, and way you had to go about doing your business then is is what it is um, towards the end of my career where it was like you had one practice maybe half pads in the morning and then you're you know doing a walkthrough in the afternoon and for me personally it was great because I, I was like older you hit player you
0: were like perfect right. because you got all the learning when you were young and your body could handle it
1: right and when I came to the NFL um Going from college to NFL wasn't that much of a difference because in college we were doing these extra long 18, 19 period practices where, you know, you're hitting all the time and then you got to the league and it was the same thing. But then as I got older as a player and, you know, you don't necessarily need as much of that type of work, um, it kind of tapered off to where you could kind of save your body and get yourself ready to play for an extremely long season and for, you know, to get yourself ready to perform at a high level on game days. And so it worked out well for me. But, you know, coaches today, they got to have to, like, figure out ways to work around the fact that you're not going to get as much work in combination blocks where you're physically trying to take um, a defensive lineman and double team him up to the second level and working off and, and actually getting good contact on the linebacker and driving him past the things of the nature. You can't simulate that without pads on. Like, you can, but it's it's not quite the same. And so, um, you have to figure out ways to, to kind of work around that. But the good thing about it is, you know, everybody's playing under the same set of rules. So it's not like, you know, all the teams in the AFC South, you know, they don't get two days and everybody else does. And so right, they're getting more true. work. So everybody's working with the same uh, set of rules. You just, I think, it puts more of a premium on how much the actual the guys will do on their own. On their own time, there's different work that they're going to do and then how good of a coaching staff you have and, and you know what type of things that you can teach them. All
0: right, we're talking with Wade Smith on the Deep Slant Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. On iTunes, TuneIn, or Stitcher and leave a Review, I want to get your thoughts on the free agent acquisitions. You went through free agency a number of times. You played with a lot of teams during your time in the league. I did. I don't know how much you've been following the Texans free agent acquisitions. Three new O-linemen, Zach Fulton uh, from Kansas City, guard slash center, Chantrell. Henderson, a uh, tackle from Buffalo, mm-hmm. and then Sanio Calamete, who's sort of this utility offensive lineman that they signed from the Saints, who I'm kind of curious where he's going to fit in. But Bill O'Brien talked about what this offensive line's going to look like. I thought the most interesting piece of news is that Julian Davenport in his second year is probably going to get that opportunity at left tackle. Whether or not that stays the same week one, we don't know because we don't know what's going to happen in the draft. We don't right. know what's going to happen with the rest of free agency, but that's kind of where it's set at now. Uh, then he also talked about Henderson at right tackle or maybe possibly moving to left tackle that he could play both and then you've got Zach Fulton who could play guard who could play center if he plays center then Nick Martin moves over over to guard which I I thought that was interesting because I thought Nick Martin was like the one piece of the O-line that wasn't moving and everybody else would shift around him so uh, what are your thoughts on being a free agent coming to a new team and then having to play let's say you're used to playing right and then playing left or or vice versa
1: Um, I think Different guys handle it in different ways. I know that when I, for example, when I came here to Houston, um, I had played um, right tackle for half the season my first year with the Kansas City and then – excuse me, not right tackle, right guard for half the season my first year with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And then I played a lot of left guard during the off season because of Brian Waters was our starting left guard and he was not coming to off season workouts. So I, I got a bunch of work at left guards during the off season, doing OTAs and – in mini camps and all those things and then once he came back I had to go back to right guard. Um and then plus I had played tackle earlier in my career, played center earlier in my career. So I was used to being a guy that had to go to a bunch sure. of different places and having to be versatile. That that kinda kept my career going because if I wasn't able to adapt and be able to fit in these different roles then I probably would have been out of a job. And so when I finally got here to Houston, it was it was kinda said that, you know, I could have an opportunity to start at one of three spots. Um, but in my mind, just looking around at who was here and what we had going on, I just thought to myself, you know, I always felt more comfortable on the left side, and that's where I would love to be. And so that's how it ended up working out. What were know, the three spots,
0: way. guards and a tackle spot? or No, guards center, and a center?
1: center of the both. It was the profiles. interior yes, part of the inter- line. Interior okay. guys, right. So cause I had played a little bit of tackle. I started a game at left tackle with Kansas City, but they brought me in here to play, be at one of the interior three guys. Um to be a starter at one of those spots. That's kind of what the thought process was when I signed my contract. And so, you know, to, I think people were a little bit down on Chris Myers at the time, but when I watched him on tape, I was like, this guy's good. And, of course, Chris Myers ended up going to, like, two or three Pro Bowls. I can't remember yeah, how many. Yeah,
0: and I remember Derek, when I got here, Derek Newton, well, it was the same with him, and then right. It, all of a sudden it just, it's almost like it disappeared overnight. Well, like, like oh, linemen take, a, like, two to three years, and then – you just, just got to take your lumps those first two to three years, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of factors that determine kind of what someone's going to look at you like as an offensive lineman or how well you perform. There's so many different factors. You know, if you're part of a really good group um, and there's guys that are around you that are good, it's very easy for you or it's it's easier for you to kind of pull your, your end of the bargain and be able to, to get up to that level, per se, because there's things that can be done to specifically help you and bring you along. And then you're around guys that are good and talented and they can handle their business. So, you know, it's just like, if I do my job right, we'll be fine. Um, if you're part of an offense that's struggling, maybe you're having issues at quarterback position, maybe the skill positions aren't doing as well. You might be doing a decent job, but you look bad because the skilled players aren't exploiting some of the good things that are going on. Um, and so it's, it's it's very difficult to just kind of make a judgment on a player like this guy is bad and this guy is good right. when there's so many different factors. That's why it's the ultimate team game. Like everyone has to be um, doing their job in order for it to be successful. And so um, yeah, like Derek Newton, they they you know people didn't really like Derek, and then I remember when know, Bill
0: O'Brien came in, he was like, I don't understand why people are so down on Derek Newton. He's like, I just see something completely different. And that year, it just seemed like Derek was was so good, right, unfortunately, you know that was it lasted a couple of years, and then in twenty sixteen he you got had hurt. double the double knee injury right, but um, I think this fan base would still be excited if he could come out and play today,
1: yeah, I mean, I think that Derek if he was healthy, he'd come in here and find a spot to start it you know once the the new coaching staff came in, he had to become more versatile as well, and so he played I saw him play right guard I saw him That's play right left he guard, did um start games at both of those spots and play well, and then of course he has always played right tackle, so now he has those those things that he in his tool bag was like okay I can go over here and play a different spot and be confident doing it and so you know now your your value goes up and your ability to help the team goes up and I think that's why the philosophy is what it is here with the Texas organization is to have a bunch of guys that can do a bunch of different things um, and be versatile because you you know guys get hurt all the time and people have to be able to plug in and play and there not be a, a, you know, a significant drop-off.
0: I mean, Jeff Allen played all over the line except for center, I think, last year. So that's definitely true. Uh, how about these new guys? How much have you seen of them? And what about Julian Davenport? He came from Bucknell. They they really lo- they thought he, you know, he had a lot of that raw talent. Right. What's going to be his biggest challenge? And, and how do you think he'll do after being in the system for a year uh, there at left tackle?
1: So with Julian, I, I watched his last two games. I watched film of him his last two games of the season. And I thought he played pretty well. I mean, yeah, he I came talk- in towards the
0: end of the season. And- right, he but-
1: came in earlier in the year and he struggled. Yeah, um, and you could tell he was just kind of, you know, kind of out of his element a little bit. But I think throughout the season he got better in practice and. Um, it showed those last two games of the year. I think he, they played against Pittsburgh. I remember watching that tape, and he played pretty well against They rushed uh, for a TJ season Wyatt. high
0: 176 yards in that game, which right. looking back, it's hard to remember because you look back and it's like a loss. But when you go back and look at the stats on, on paper, that looked pretty good.
1: Yeah, and what you try to do is when you watch them on film, you just watch them on plays where where necessarily the ball doesn't necessarily come their way. You know, you want to watch them in their one-on-one pass pro, how they set how they're – you know, working their combination blocks together and things of that nature. And I think that, like I said, I think I heard uh, Bob, uh, Bill O'Brien say it the other day that, like, you know, OB said he was like, yeah, I thought that he played pretty well the last couple of games. And I agreed because I watched the tape myself and I saw, like, yeah, I can see where they would be like, all right, we can give this guy an opportunity um, to start um, going into the season. Uh, as far as uh, Kelamente, on film, he stands out. Like, I, I really like what I saw with him on tape. Like, if I had to say this, the the best guy that they signed just from looking at on tape, not, you know, seeing him on practice fields or anything that goes up like that, but just watching him on tape, I enjoyed watching him play. I watched him in the playoff game against Minnesota, and he's extremely athletic. Um, he plays the game. He plays the game the right way. He's good in pass protection. Um, he'll get up to the second level on black linebackers. Um, really talented guy. And so you can tell, you know, I, I – I, I think i heard rumblings that the the saints fans were upset that he they was were i think right. on
0: twitter people were just like you're getting a really good player in him and right. he didn't really have an opportunity to start there they sort of used him in different situations and i think he wants to get one starting spot where do you, where do you think is the best fit for him you say he's good at pass protection where would where would you like to see him ideally if you were recreating this offensive line
1: um i'd probably put him at left guard um i think you know that would be his his first spot to go at. um he's probably 300 and you know 300 pounds 305 pounds a lot of times when you're running um plays where you're pulling guards it's usually the left guard that pulls mm-hmm. like when i played here with the texans i was the left guard and usually when we're pulling guards we're trying to do things where you you know the, the, the extra athletic type plays the left guard is is the one doing that and so i think out of the guys that they have here on the roster he's probably the most athletic guy that's going to be in the room and so you know i would put him at left guard if i had to put him a spot i watched um film on zach fulton um he's a really he's a strong player especially in his upper body um kind of a mauler type guy um he looked really good at center which is is kind of um surprising to think because he's I don't know what his, you know, listed weight or whatever it is like that, but just right. looking at it on tape, he looks like he's about six five, about three twenty or something. You're like
0: that. You're a good that. evaluator, um, Wade. You're looking at people's height and sizes and weights.
1: <laughs> I mean, you, you watch you, a lot of film. Yeah, you film? don't you can't you can't play in the NFL and after yeah, yeah, twelve years and not be able to especially like, for an O line breakdown yeah. film. Yeah, because you know if you're if you're not intelligent in the film room, it's going to show. On Sundays or Monday nights or whatever it may be, and so. So, what'd you um, like
0: about Henderson? What you saw out of him on film?
1: Henderson is the one guy that I haven't had a chance to look at yet. Oh, you haven't. Okay. Because I, I actually looked at like. You were looking at
0: Fulton. You were talking. Yeah, were I looked
1: saying. at. I was looking at. I looked at Fulton and I looked at Kellerman. Uh, okay. Then, and then I.
0: So tell me about Fulton. What did you like about him? You thought he he's a good fit at center. Obviously, he's listed at center and guard.
1: Right. I thought he looked good at center better than I thought he might because of his size and he looks like a right guard to me like when I look at him I look like this guy looks like he should be able to be a right guard and you can run a bunch of double team blocks off of him you pull the athletic left guard and you run a double team with the right tackle and the right guard and you know he looks like that type of guy but when I saw him play center he looked really good at that spot and so um, I think I heard somewhere where O B was saying that, you know, maybe we could put Fulton at center and put Nick Martin He at said right that guard. this week, which is right. which In I was wish. saying
0: that surprised me because I thought that Nick Martin was the center, he played center all last year. Right. And that's what they drafted him for.
1: Right. And they drafted him for that, but I think they, they draft guys to be able to do more than one thing. I don't this I, is I true. haven't seen I haven't seen the Texans like draft a guy that says like he's he, we draft him, he's gonna play right tackle and that's it. That that goes kind of counter against the philosophy, and also well,
0: everybody moved last year on the line except for I believe Xavier Sufilo and Nick Martin. They stayed. They stayed at left guard and center the whole year. So right,
1: but I bet you if, but everybody if you everybody went through move. the practice tape, I bet you they probably. practiced at other spots throughout the weeks. That's they probably That's did. just the philosophy. And we don't you know get what what I mean? to stay out there for practice. Like right, that. yeah, they kick y'all
0: out. We kick, they kick us out after <laughs> stretching. <laughs> I, see, I see everybody stretching. What happens after that is like a total mystery. Yeah. All right, Deshaun Watson at quarterback, how does that change the mindset of an offensive lineman?
1: Oh, man. It,
0: is it easier or is it harder?
1: It's definitely It's easier from a perspective is that if you if you make a mistake, he can make you right. Now, this is at, true. At, at the same time, he also makes defenses hesitate like if you can make a defense hesitate they're beat like plain and simple if you can get a linebacker to not get his depth because he's you know you're you're showing a play action run and he or you're doing some type of option something to where he's hesitating and he's not knowing what's going on and hitting it you as an offensive player you do know what's going on and so you can use that to your advantage and so that's that's the big thing about Deshaun Watson and what he can bring to an offense is that he causes defenses to hesitate. He causes a pass rusher to not to, to be unsure of himself after he beats an offensive lineman. Like, can I still make this play? Because he can make a move and make me fall on my face. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's just like he's he's a guy that you would love to play for. Like if I, like if I had an opportunity to play with, with Deshaun Watson, that would have been a great experience. I know like Dwayne Brown played one game with Deshaun Watson. I bet you enjoyed that one game he got. Um, the Seattle because, game
0: was a lot of fun. I mean, right. that was the last game all of us saw of right. the this, right. this last year. He's
1: just a super talented guy, and um,
0: but you know. okay, when the play breaks down, though, isn't there this sense of where is he on the field as an O lineman, or do you not do you kind of always have a sense of of where he's going or where he's going to be after you've played with a guy long enough?
1: It's not necessarily that. It's that okay. Say you get beat quick off the snap, and you try to recover and save the day and make a block to save the day. If you have a quarterback back there that can't really move, the chances of you being able to execute that and it work out for mm-hmm. the good is very, very low. It's like once you get beat, it's a wrap. There's no, you know, you can try to recover, but it's very difficult to do so if you have a stationary targeter. And that's the thing about Deshaun. He's an athletic and he's mobile, but he, he has a pretty good pro- pocket presence too at a young age. And a lot of times pocket presence isn't something. It's like a, an innate like you have to have a knack for that to have pocket presence because like Tom Brady he's one of the arguably the best quarterback of all time right he's not a good athlete at all but in the pocket his pocket presence is better than any quarterback I've ever seen well Deshaun Watson sometimes you look at him in the pocket he's very calm in the pocket he knows when he needs to move he knows and he's not just he's not just running to run down the field and get first downs he's Moving around the pocket so that he can find targets down the field, and that's why I think like Will Fuller had such a great about um, six or seven game time span when he has a quarterback because you're giving you're giving that receiver just a, a count of, of two seconds, seconds yeah. more to where you can make that that play down the field, and the, the DBs can't cover that long.
0: How what i we were talking with Bill or Bill O'Brien was talking about Deshaun Watson in this offense. He says it's going to look completely different in 2018 because now teams have seen enough film of him. How do you think it? How do you think you can make him different? Because I feel like he's already so unique. And half the time, does he even know where the play is going to go? And it's going when after the, after the ball is snapped.
1: I think I don't know. I think some of that is coach speak. I think Ob is is just sitting up there in the office and <laughs> he's just and got his feet feet he's, propped up he's, like he's enjoying life right now. He's just seen his feet aren't propped up, but he's enjoying life right now because he's like, I can do this. I can do that. Oh, we can do this. Oh, we can try this. We got this guy. We can put him there. I mean. You have so many different options because Deshaun Watson can sit in a pocket and go through his progressions and make throws, and he doesn't have to move around. And then he can also take a shotgun snap and run a counter option. He can run a read option. He can. There's so many different things. You can run reverse passes. There's just so many different things that you can do. Of course, all of these different things, some of them, you, you do a certain play that looks the same. Um, And it's something completely different. It's causing the defense to hesitate again. It's causing you to get that one step or the two steps on the defender to where now you can make big plays. And then once you make big plays like that, now the defense's confidence is down. If you take their confidence away and they're they're unsure and they don't know what's coming, I mean – like I said, I think a lot of that is is, is coach speak. I mean, I think Bob's up there. Bill O'Brien's up there. Just like, yeah,
0: <laughs> it's like we're it's gonna be just fine. Yeah. Just gotta keep him healthy. That's a, that's just gotta a, keep him healthy. Major
1: key. You gotta keep gotta keep the quarterback clean. Um, you know, he didn't take that many hits last year. Um, and his injury that he got was just kind of kind of a weird freak thing. It was a fluky thing. I felt right. like in
0: that Cincinnati game, I was I felt like I watched it like with one eye closed because. No tight ends. All your receivers are out. They lined up an extra O-lineman in that game. Right. And that was his first start, and it was a short week. Yeah. I th- and there were a couple times he landed hard, but then would get up and he'd make a play.
1: I mean, he's used to getting hit. In college, he was the type of guy that was going to run the ball, you know, 15, 10, 15 times a game. And he was going to try to dive and get first downs, and he was getting hit. And he would. I mean, I just remember him getting helicoptered. In the national championship game against Alabama, and I'm like, ooh, like
0: yeah, ugh. yeah, and he, I, I remember and that.
1: he he hopped right back up and ended up, you know, taking his team down there and they, they ended up winning a ball game against arguably the best defense in the, in college football. And he did that back to back years where he was successful against guys like that and teams like that. So when he gets to this level, it's kind of like, hey, it's still just ball, you know what I mean? He
0: really does have that attitude, even yeah. at New England, even on primetime television. And I was watching – we have the NFL Network on here, like every room, every station all the time, and they were doing this preview for the draft, path to the draft, the, the show that they've got running all the time, and they said, who is this year's Deshaun Watson? Right. Like, he is now the quarterback that everyone's going to aspire to get. Just in six starts, everybody's like, who is the next Deshaun Watson? Like, the RPO quarterback, the run-pass option quarterback, mm-hmm. like, is this – I feel like this is now going – this is now the trend because yeah. it's so hard to defend against, whereas – Like, five, ten years ago, it was Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, a guy that can break down defenses with their eyes and then change at the line of scrimmage. Like, now we're trending in a different direction, which may be better for younger quarterbacks because you can come straight out of college, and if you have that skill set, they can put you in and you can play.
1: Right, and I think the reason why it's trending that way is because defensive players are becoming so much more athletic and can cover so much more ground. Um, and they have guys that used to be DBs playing linebacker and they have guys that were linebackers playing defensive line. And the game is so much faster and they cover so much ground that the way that you counteract that is to get guys to hesitate. And so when you are and run past options, the guys have to kind of wait to see like, is he giving the ball? Is he not giving the ball? Um, and so if you point. have a quarterback that can stand back there and make throws and then also can be versatile and run the ball as well or, you know, give that threat of running the ball, it just causes the defense to hesitate. And I think that, you know, the Super Bowl was won by a team that was heavy in the RPO offense. And so um, the league is a copycat league. And so when somebody's successful doing a certain thing a certain way, then other teams are going to try to emulate that. And then also when you have a team that's really what well, does really well and wins the Super Bowl, a lot of times those coaches on that staff go and become head coaches elsewhere. And so they bring the scheme with you. And so you look at the league and so – You'll see more of that going around.
0: Yeah, I, you know it's funny. You mentioned defensive players being so fast. When we had camp in West Virginia against the Patriots, they obviously they blow the play d- dead. It's you know they're not they're not. It's just like thud. But I felt like Bill Belichick, Tom Brady was getting so frustrated because it was Clowney and Watt, right. and they were there so fast. I mean, even a guy like Brady, who's done this for for a number of years at such a high level, was getting frustrated because. He couldn't beat those two. You just can't beat pure athleticism and speed sometimes.
1: Right. It's not normal. It's not natural to have guys that are 6'6 and 6'7 and like 280 pounds and they can run four fives. That's not
0: like that's Clowney not is – they call him a freak of nature for a reason. Yeah,
1: that's, that's, that's not something that <laughs> – not, there's not many people that walk the earth that can say, you know, I'm 6'7, I'm 280 pounds. That's true. And I run a four five, And I have an attitude problem. <laughs> and so you got to figure out a way to deal with guys like that and so that making them hesitate the RPOs and things of that nature that's what you got to do but even like those kind of statue quarterbacks like the Tom Brady's and the the Peyton Manning's something that they all do really well is they sell play action fakes well you got to be able to do that and it's the same thought process you got to get guys to hesitate so that you can take advantage of them and make that play.
0: extra fraction of a second or whatever even if it's the tiniest amount it's still
1: that's I mean that is the name it's of an the advantage. game it's a game of inches it is a game of that you know the difference between having a touchdown and having a pick six is just a count this is one count and so um yeah whatever little edge that you can get you figure out a way to do it
0: all right i'm gonna ask you one more thing before i let you go the annual league meetings took place a couple of rule changes went down and uh you have some questions here all right the catch rule passed unanimously right you're okay with that
1: i'm good with it i mean i thought that the rule um the way they had been doing it, doing it for the past three years It was defined really well, and so people could read the letter of the law and say, well, based off of these rules, this is correct or this is incorrect, this is a catch or this isn't a catch. But just looking at it it with your your eyes eyes, is like I've been playing football my whole life, and (laughs) that's always been a catch, so this should be a catch. And so what they did is like – they took that element out of it and made it less technical, I guess you could say. It's a little it's a, bit
0: more subjective because they allow right. for what they call football moves. Right. You know. So. But that
1: used to be the case. You know, if you it have control in a football move, it's a, it's a catch. And so now I think what's going to happen is you're going to have more um, catches where otherwise it might not have been, but you're also going to have more fumbles too. Um, because if you're saying it's a catch and then you get hit and the ball comes out, it's a fumble now. Instead of it being an incomplete pass. And right. So there's always going to be – um, permutations of what happens. Like, once you change a rule, there's going to be things that happen. Next year that, they'll add to it. Right. There's going to be something else. that comes from it. So, But I'm good with the rule. I, I thought that a lot of those catches that they said weren't catches, I thought they should have been catches. Like, well,
0: I think that's what they did. They went back and watched the Des Bryant catch. They watched right. the Jesse, Dame- Jesse James. Jesse James, yeah. And they said, how can we define it so that these are now catches? Because yeah, under the previous law, they previous rule, they weren't.
1: I'm still confused how that Calvin Johnson catch was. That was like three years ago, how Kevin, Calvin Johnson's catch was not a catch. So – you I mean, he catches the ball in the end zone, takes two steps, and then he touches the ball down as he's, like, gathering himself, and the ball comes out, and they call it incomplete. So, you know, you fix those type of players, I think the game will be all right.
0: All right, targeting, uh, immediate ejections. This is a new thing. So, right. immediate ejections, I, we see it in college football, but then sometimes a player gets ejected, then they'll do the replay, and they'll bring the guy back. So, I don't, I don't know how it's going to be enforced in the NFL, but they say that they can now eject a player – immediately after replay, like, for instance, when Gronk concussed uh, Tradavius White. So instead of suspending them later on, they'll just eject them right. after the game, which I think is good because I think as a team, if you have to lose a player for a whole game versus part of a game, you'd rather just get it over with and then you can move on with your week. Uh, they can also eject immediately for targeting, which is yet to be defined.
1: Yeah. So uh, this uh, involves the helmet. So the first the first rule where you have a, a independent kind of ref that's just sitting up watching everything and he sees like a late hit out of bounds or something like that i think that's a good rule i think that's you know gronk definitely should have got ejected that game and he just got a personal foul and it takes it takes um it takes the guesswork out of it it takes the pr nightmare you have out of it when it doesn't happen one game and then for one team, it happened. Because happens. it did happen right. multiple
0: games that week. Right. right, and
1: so, you know, you want to take that element out of it. If you have somebody just kind of just sitting there watching for things like that and they point it out, then I think that's a good thing because those those type of plays aren't really – those aren't part of the game. You know, that, that Gronk hit wasn't cool at all. There was nothing cool about it. It so. was well after. Right, yeah. and so, um, you know, that's one thing. Now, the rule we're saying that if you lower your head and you make contact with the another player – I have to see some video evidence of what they mean by this rule because when you just read it as if you can interpret that in so many different ways. It's like if I'm an offensive lineman and I'm blocking somebody and my head hits first, is that, you is know, that, targeting? Is, is that targeting? Like as an offensive lineman, you're taught to get lower than your opponent. So that means you're going to have to lower yourself down. <laughs> and if how much, I lower, lower, yeah, how and and much if, lower can your pads If my be? body goes lower, my head's going to go lower. That's true. So if my head hits, like I have to see what they mean by this because – that could be – I'm just going to be, I guess, logical about it and say they're just talking about certain circumstances that now they have the ability when they see something that's completely dirty that they can just get somebody out of the game for that reason.
0: That's what my interpretation was. It was going to be right. certain positions but, that they were going to look at for this, not right. alignment necessarily.
1: Right, but I think that just reading, reading it doesn't say like when a, when a tackler is making a tackle. It doesn't say when um, a runner is running the ball and they lower the head and they've had rules about that. It just says if any player lowers their head. And so I'm like, okay, what 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 does this exactly mean? So we'll have to wait and see what they mean. We will have
0: to wait and see. That will be to be continued. They clarify a few things, but a few more things still to be clarified in May. Wade Smith, good stuff. I have to have you back to talk to you about other – I know we just did like this O-line dump on you because I mean we had so much information that happened in the last – few months and so many changes but I I definitely want to get you back in studio I know you've got a fundraiser coming up here soon how's that
1: coming along so you can go to uh, wadesmithfoundation.org to find out all the information about that but it's um, bedtime stories 2018 Um, we're doing a fashion show um, at clay here in Houston and so um, we raise money for our Smitty scholarship program and for our reading with the pros program that we've been doing um, throughout the city of Houston um, since 2012 now and so we've given out um, right around $200,000 in scholarships That's amazing. For, for high school seniors um, since that point. And then we also do our Reading with the Pros program where we've gone to over 50 elementary schools and we've reached out to over 40,000, 50,000 kids um, over that time span. And so this is our big fundraising event. You know, Last year we had uh, – it actually wasn't last year. It was 2016. Because yeah, because we it's it. usually
0: during the season. Yeah,
1: it's usually supposed to be in September. But because of Harvey hitting – because September is uh, literacy month. And so because Harvey hit in late August, we had to push Bedtime Stories back. And so now we're doing it April 27th, uh, 7 p.m. here in uh, in Houston at Clay. And so, um, yeah, so we're we're just looking forward to, to doing that event again. Last year or two years ago we had, you know, Chris Myers was there walking, Kevin Walter. You get all uh, the big guns. I get all the big guns out. Current <laughs> and Turner, former guys, and then we'll get, you know, local um, philanthropists, to walk on the runway as well, and it's a really fun event. It's a good time, and and the money goes to a great cause, and so we're looking forward to doing
0: it. Looking forward to seeing it. As always, WadeSmithFoundation.org is the website. Wade, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Be sure to tune in to the Deep Slam Podcast. Subscribe, like us, uh, share with your friends. Wade, good stuff as always. Thanks so much, and go Texans!